Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, we're in for a great year. Uh, I'm so excited in the spirit. You know, we can manufacture um, an external excitement, but when the Holy Spirit starts building excitement in you, uh, it's a completely different ball game. And uh, so I'm just, uh, I, the thing that I'm really excited about this year, I just know that a whole lot of people are going to get saved and come to know the Lord this year. Um, I can just, I can feel it in my bones. I can feel it in my hands. I can feel it in my feet. I can feel it everywhere. Amen. I want you to imagine that you've been doing the same routine day in and day out for the last 40 years. And then suddenly someone says, in three days' time, we're going to do something that you've never done in your life for the, that, that you've lived for the last 40 years. Can you imagine the freakout factor that's going on, the fear of the unknown, not knowing what's about to happen? Or if you like, if you can put it on, you know, when Suzuki Swifts were first manufactured. Do you know it's one of the most popular cars in New Zealand? Absolutely amazing, eh? And so you bought your Suzuki Swift, you know, 15 years ago. But you've only ever driven it to the local supermarket. You've only ever driven it around the local shops and to, down to the dairy and back home. And then suddenly somebody says, I'm giving you the keys to the super Kenworth truck and trailer unit, and I want you to park it downtown. Can you imagine the freak out factor that would be going on in your life when you've only ever experienced something entirely different in the routine of your life? Or imagine that you've lived your life just in your own home. You know, I, I actually, did you know that there's actually people who have never been south of the Bombays that live in Auckland? They just always, they just stay in Auckland all their lives. Never traveled out of Auckland. Isn't that incredible? And then suddenly somebody gives them a plane ticket to India and says, you're on your own, buddy, but here I've paid for you. We, we, we're going to take you to the airport. And can you imagine the freak out factor that you would be feeling because you've never, ever walked this way before? Well, this is exactly the experience that the children of Israel found themselves in for 40 years after being released from Egypt under a burdensome life of toil and hardship and slavery. God releases them, but because of their disobedience, what could have been a four to five day journey took them 40 years. There's another, that's another sermon altogether. And because of their disobedience, they walked round in circles in a very dry, arid place for 40 years. Whenever the pillar of cloud moved by day, they all had to pick up sticks and head off uh, until the cloud stopped again or the pillar of fire by night. And then suddenly, God appoints a new leader. Moses is dead. Joshua is here. And they've parked themselves on the, this side of the Jordan, and they're about to go into the promised land. And there's only a few from the previous generation that are present, the Joshuas and the Caleb's. All the rest of them died in the wilderness, 
And those 20 years and younger have grown up only knowing a desert experience. That's the only world they've known. And then God says, get ready, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. We're going to go in and possess the land. We're going to cross the Jordan. And this is the whole promised land that God's been talking to us about all these years that we're about to go into. You know, if you put it into perspective, this was no small thing for them. And it's just like that sometimes when God suddenly springs something upon our lives and you kind of, you're thinking, well, actually, you should be asking the pastor. You shouldn't be asking me to do that because I'm not qualified. Because you see, the day that we're living in, friends, is not the day of the professional clergyman or woman. The day, prophetic day that we're living in is the day of God's saints, where God has raised up apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to equip the saints in order for the saints to do the work of the ministry. Can I hear a partial amen? Oh, I can hear a more full-bodied amen right there. Because when we're saying amen to that, we're saying, yes, Lord, I'm willing to be equipped. I'm willing to be prepared. And I'm willing, as the prophecy said today, to be activated into doing something brand new. I remember the first time I ever led somebody to Christ. And, you know, we, you know I've heard all the excuses over the years why somebody cannot lead another person to Jesus. I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know how to pray. How do you do the sinner's prayer again? How does it go? And we, 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 we count ourselves out of God using us in this because it's the most wonderful thing in your life is to lead another person to faith in Jesus Christ. It is an absolutely amazing feeling to have. And I can remember what took me out of my comfort zone was that I had a burden and a passion for lost people. I'd just been a lost person myself. And I'd found Jesus and I just wanted every, I had a little blue uh, Volkswagen Beetle. It kind of didn't have a warrant or a registration, you know, I was, and it still had lots of marijuana stashed in different parts of the car that I actually forgot about. I was actually driving around as a Christian and I got pulled over one night and I had all this marijuana in the car that I suddenly remembered about when the pressure was on. But I had such a passion for the loss that I, I got a can of white spray paint and I painted my car, Jesus loves you, all over my car. And it wasn't very artistic either, but people could read it. They got the message. They got the point. And I went down and I was living in Tauranga and I went down to the center of the city with a few other Christians. And I can remember standing there and we just sung a song and this guy in full leathers walked around the corner. Uh, and he was a big guy, had some tats on him, and, uh, and he walked around the corner, and as he walked around the corner, he looked over to where we were standing and singing, and our eyes locked onto each other, and I saw fear in his eyes. And he quickly turned around and walked back around the corner again at pace. And, uh, and, and I was learning to listen to the voice of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit said to me, Go and wait down the far corner. He's going to walk right around the block and wait for him down there. So I went down to the far corner and he walked straight into me around the corner, thinking that he could escape by going the long route round. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, as I was waiting for him to come around the corner, because I just, I just thought, yeah, he's going to come. God told me he's going to come. Waiting, waiting. And as I'm waiting, I'm thinking, I didn't even know what to say to this guy. 
what, what, how do I start this conversation? What do I say? And he walked into me and I said, sir, our eyes locked. I said, I know that you know that God is chasing you down. That's what came out of my mouth. And he, he looked at me and he said, how do you know that? And I said, because God told me. And he said, yes, I'm in a lot of trouble. He said, I just shot a gang member down in the Hawke's Bay and the gang is after me and I'm in hiding. And he said, I'm terrified that they're going to kill me. And so I then had it, you know, he was vulnerable, he was open. And so I just shared with him, the words just came. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said, open your mouth and I'll fill it. So I opened my mouth and I found myself telling him that Jesus Christ had died for his sins, that he had been buried, but the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead again and that all who believe in him will have eternal life if they repent and turn from their sin. Are you ready to receive Jesus? And he said, I am. But he said, you want to do it right here? And I said, how about we just go into the alcove of the Hannah's shoe shop? And, uh, and, and we walked into the alcove of the shoe shop. And do you know what happened? We got poleaxed by the power of God. Both of us crashed to the ground as the weight of God's glory hit us. This guy and I, we're both of us, we collapsed to the ground under the weight of God's power as it hit us. And then he began to weep and then he began to cry like a little baby as the Holy Spirit came upon him. And it was a very long sinner's prayer. It was like, dear Jesus, <laughs> dear, 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 dear Jesus. It was a long prayer as he wept his way to the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ and gave his life over to the Lord. The point of what I'm saying is that God positions us often on this side of the Jordan when we have no idea what's waiting for us on the other side. And when he says it's time to cross over, you better believe it, that you've you got to get yourself ready to walk with God, to go with God. And on the other side of that Jordan, the promised land is waiting for you where God will begin to unveil himself to you in a brand new way. Let's read Joshua 3 of this account. Verse 1, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out... That's a phrase in the original Hebrew of the word NASA, not space NASA, NASA in the Hebrew. They set out. Now that phrase, they set out, had been used 89 times in the book of Numbers. It was a well-worn out phrase. You know why? Because the book of Numbers is their journey through the wilderness. So they were often setting out in routine fashion, part of the routine of their life, they set out. So they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan and he and all of the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. That is the Hebrew word Orba. Orba. And this is a new word introduced into the Bible at this point in time where this now becomes the prominent word in the book of Joshua because the book of Joshua was all about it's time to cross over and experience the fulfillment of God's promises in your life. It's time to cross over the thresholds, the barriers that are in front of you to begin to experience the pleasure of God's fulfillment in our lives. 
So it was after three days, the officers went through the camp. They commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place, go after it. Yet there shall be a, a space between you and it. This is the ark of the covenant where the 10 commandments have been held about 2000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know that the way by which you must go for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. Verse five, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. For you have not crossed this way before. How many of you love change? Right. Sometimes when the inner motivation there is, we enjoy change, but we don't necessarily enjoy it if you've been asked to do something that you don't feel particularly anointed to do. So if I was just to spin the bottle in the middle here and say, right, you're up preaching next and you've never preached before, it could be a problem for you. We should try that one day. That'd be cool. So the fear of the unknown and the trauma of, of we haven't passed this way before can often restrict us in our thinking and we can adopt a mindset that says, oh, th no thanks, God, I'll stick with the routine, the tried and the proven, and you can get somebody else to do that other, you know, that, that scary stuff that's out there. Mark Twain said this, the only person that likes change is a baby with a wet nappy. And often... This is the way we feel when we have not crossed this way before. You know, so this was a new day. It was an arrival time. This was a time of the end of an era. From the departure of the corridors of power in Egypt. And by the way, did you know that the children of Israel plundered the economy in one day? They took all the gold and silver from Egypt. God gave them. He, he, he paid them back their holiday pay. Praise God. As they were leaving the nation. And he blessed them with incredible wealth as they left uh, the nation of Egypt because they had been doing work with no pay. And God gave them reparation as they were on exit. God will always provide for you. Don't get your, don't get your mind stuck on the fact that you haven't got enough money. Get your mind stuck on seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that you need will be added unto you. Praise God. And so now they've been through the wilderness. They had a scary time at Mount Sinai where the thunder of God's voice, thunder, the Bible says they hid, they were frightened as they saw the thunder and lightning descend Mount Sinai with Moses up there receiving the Ten Commandments and the law. And they'd had that period where the law, the old covenant had now been made. And here they were after 40 more years, they're now right on the precipice of entering into the promise of God. The word orba, which means to cross over, it signifies it's the same word that would be used from you emigrating from one country to another. For those of you that have emigrated in this congregation, and many of you have, you understand what that feels like. It's fraught with danger. Amen. Will I get my residency? Will I get my visa? Will I get through? There's a lot of stuff that goes on with all of that. And so up until now, they just experienced the normal routines of life. 
But now God says, this is a new day. This is a new thing. Change is on you. I want you to get ready because we're going to, pros- we're going to cross over and we're going to possess the promised land that I have said I'm giving to you. So what does it mean for the church today? We saw some of the footage of Capitol Hill being invaded during the week, a scene never, ever seen before in the United States of America, the land of the brave and the free. We're living in unprecedented times. We're currently facing uh, the, the, a, a pandemic that has now exceeded the worst predictions of man where the northern hemisphere right now is, is it's a scary place if you're living in Britain or the United States of America right now. But it's always a season of opportunity when the world is in turmoil. My peace I give to you, says the Lord. That when turmoil is all around us, you can walk out loud and proud knowing the peace of God is ruling in your heart, that you don't have to be under the same spirit that the world is under. And therefore, you have something to offer a world that is in turmoil right now in this nation. We're The church of Jesus right now is a last day's church. According to the scripture, we have some incredible, momentous times that are ahead of us. Jesus said, know this, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. We already know the prime minister of our nation, whom we pray for regularly, because God teaches us that governments are ordained by him and we need to pray for those who are in authority. But she's already made her intentions clear and now she has full throttle power in the halls of parliament that hate speech legislation will be introduced, which means parts of the Bible will not be allowed to be preached without you being prosecuted. I'm just telling you some of the realities of the day that we're living in. We've had it good for a long time. And we've prayed for the persecuted church all around the world. I've been... I've been and I've ministered in the persecuted church. I've been taken from the back of taxis, shifted to the back of motorbikes, thrown into the back of a taxi, taken around the back streets and gone to minister to a whole group of pastors who most of them have been and served 10, 15 years in jail for their faith. And we prayed for them, but persecution will come to our nation, friends. Mark my words. And when it does, we're going to see a lot of things start to ramp up in our nation. We're going to see a lot more miracles. People say, why don't we see the miracles that we see overseas and in other nations? Because, friends, we've had it sweet for a long, long time. And as the persecution comes, will you be a chocolate soldier and melt under the heat? Or will the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit become so real to you that you'll have no hesitation sharing the gospel with another person, even if it means you have to go to jail for it. We're laboring in a huge end time potential harvest of souls. Multitudes upon multitudes are in the valley of decision right now. The Bible predicts a huge outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Habakkuk 2.14 predicts that, that the earth will be filled Not might be, not maybe, but the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the face of the sea. 
Did you know that there's 71%, the globe is 71% ocean? That's two and a half times the glory that we need over every nation that God says the glory will be seen over the face of the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. That's a lot of glory. That's a lot of glory. It's about 360 million square kilometers of glory that is going to descend upon inhabited land around the globe. What an exciting time to be alive. Just think you could have been a knight in 1140 or a Maid Marian in 1300. But God's called you to be a, a Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, on fire, born-again, tongue-speaking, filled believer here in 2021, serving Jesus with the pros prospect of a great outpouring of God right on our doorstep. Whew. It's a time where Scripture is going to restore all things that the prophets have spoken of under the old covenant. And it's a time where Jesus said, every tongue, every tribe, every nation will be represented in heaven from around the world. There's not going to be one nation or ethnic group that will be untouched by God's glory and God's power. That is the season that we are living in right now. So the church is also standing on the banks of the Jordan. And the Holy Spirit's challenging the church, break out of your NASA, break out of your regular repetitive routines. Routines are good. Routines help us get to destinations. But like everything, there are times where routines need to be broken in order for you. You can't break out of the old and into the new, except you're prepared to allow change to enter your world and to embrace what God wants to do within your life. It's a season of new beginnings for many. And if we look at, uh, at those, uh, those Orba experiences, the crossing over experiences, life actually has many of them. When a woman gets pregnant for the first time, it's a crossing over experience knowing that one day she's going to have to go through labor pains in order to give birth to that beautiful new baby. I just praise God I'm a man right now. Hallelujah. Because I've seen what happens, and I'm so glad I'm male in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we have those crossover moments in our life. Do I, do I become a tradie or do I become an academic? Do I go to university and get a degree? big decision for the outcome and the direction of a young person's life. Choosing a career, finding a job. What am I going to do with my life? Shall I get married? Yeah, nah. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> 32 years later. <laughs> I should say 32 years later. It's just like it was yesterday. Honey. <laughs> move on, move on. Okay. All right. Move on before the long arm of the law comes out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shall I buy a house? Shall I continue renting? 
a goal that's almost become unreachable for so many New Zealanders right now. But the massive crossover moments with our, with, within our lives when, when somebody very close to you, a mother or a father, passes away. Crossover moment within our life. So these are individual in nature, but as a community of faith, what do we do when God calls us as a community of faith to cross over? And here's some of the things that I feel the Lord is saying to the church of Jesus at this time, that we've got to cross over from getting out of an attender mindset to become disciple makers for Jesus. Jesus never said, go out and call them to attend a church service. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. He said, go and make disciples of every people group, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Teach them to, teach them to carry out all the things I've taught you. And when the disciples went out and preached the word, this is what happened. Signs and wonders followed the preaching of the word because they activated and obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's crossing over from being in isolation and keeping to yourself to realizing that when you were born again, you were born into a family. You have brothers and sisters. I love seeing isolationists become part of the family. And I know we're all built differently. Some are like you're introverts. Some are extroverts. You know? But whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it doesn't matter. You're called and you're part of God's family by the fact that the Spirit lives in you and you're connected with other people who have the Spirit living in them. So we are family whether we like it or not. And therefore God calls us as family to begin to be a community that represents Jesus where he's planted us. We live in a very needy part of New Zealand. West Auckland has a lot of issues. But, you know, so does the North Shore. You know, they have their issues. You know, so South Auckland, they have their issues too, you know. It's not just us Westies that have issues, you know. Not that I'm being defensive or anything. Crossing over from being a spectator to becoming a participator in the things of God. You know, you can have your quiet times, you can... You can, you can read the Bible through in a year, but at some point in time, all that stuff that's going into you needs to come out of you. God wants to activate you into a crossover moment of maybe sharing the gospel for the very first time with a stranger. Maybe seeing someone limp around the supermarket and sidling up to them and say, excuse me, ma'am, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian and I love Jesus and I've seen people being healed would you mind if I just took a few moments just to pray for you that God's power would bring healing to your body and praying for them right there. And then you see the, the greatest miracles in the New Testament weren't done in a church service. They were done on the streets. Hallelujah. And so when we catch that, we, we begin to realize that, you know, faith, hope, and love, these three things, the greatest of these three things is love. Do you want to know the secret to great boldness? It's having great love. When you have love, we were driving down the streets of Levin at the conference late one night as we were heading back home. And we, I saw this little boy walking on his own late at night on the streets. And I said to the guy, did you see that guy? We turned the van around. We thought, what's going on here? Then suddenly we saw the parents a couple of hundred meters down the road. And this kid just took off across the road. 
in the middle of the night. He's only about four or three. And we, we were getting ready to jump out and suddenly we saw his dad sprinting at full speed down the road, calling out to his son. Son, stop, don't run any further, stop right there. And then when he finally got him, he didn't wallop him and give him a hiding. He just took him up and he just cuddled him and cuddled him, cuddled him. You see, love will motivate you. It will give you a perpetual motion that towards the lost, towards those who need Jesus Christ, where we are compelled by the love of God to do things that we've never, ever tried before. Can somebody give me an Amen. Some of the goals that we need to set this year is I'm going to share the gospel with a stranger for the first time. I'm going to pray for the sick for the first time and see what God will do because He loves simple faith that is expressed through love. Whew. Hallelujah. Maybe it's time to cross over from snacking on the Word to feasting on the Word this year. Amen. When the Word of God begins to grow in you, all sorts of things start to happen. When you, you start getting pregnant with a vision of what God can do when the Word begins to come alive within your life. Maybe this year as a church, we've been meeting in this building for six years. Maybe this year as a church, maybe God has something exciting. I, I, when Len Butner prophesied over us as a congregation uh, two years ago, and he said in 2021, I believe God's going to uh, give you some kind of facility that you can operate out of. Uh, that'll be a crossover moment because you all know I just want the ministry of, I just want the world. I don't want to get caught up in buildings and building programs and asking for the congregation for money every week. That's not my thing. But God said he's going to do something. So why don't we believe and cross over into that promise and see something incredible take place within our congregation? Maybe sometimes that crossover period is, is that maybe, you know, you're not all that cool with me. Maybe you have some questions about me. Maybe you think, oh, I'm not sure about Pastor James's doctrine or, you know, is there some secret sin that's within his life? I just, you know, I'm a bit cagey about that guy. And then something happens within your life and I've got to come and I've got to bring a clear word to you. And you've got a choice. Are you going to submit to authority to those who are called to rule over the house of God? Or are you going to just go and do your own thing? You know, the Bible says those that teach and lead and rule in the house of God, did you know that we will face a more severe judgment before the throne of God? I'm aware of that all the time in my ministry. And so maybe a crossover moment for you this year will be to say, no, nah, I've just been hanging back at Faith Point. I'm going to be all in because I know that God is doing something in this church and I want to get involved and I want to commit and I want to be part of the number. When the saints go marching in, when the saints go marching in, I want to be part of the number of what God is doing in that church. I can see it as a pastor when people make that decision where it's a boots and all thing and it's not a hanging back thing and just kind of got my own little thing going on here. And then they cross over and they say, no, we, we are called to this church and we're going to put everything into it. And I can see that moment happens. It's a crossover point in people's lives. Hallelujah. So these are short observations, he famously says. Short observations. 
to help us to cross over. And the first observation is, number one, we need to respect and chase the presence of God in our own lives first. What were the instructions given to Joshua and to the children of Israel? It says this in verse 3, Then you shall set out from your place and go after the ark. The ark is the central part of the worship of the economy of God's people. And so what God was saying, he was saying, go after the presence. Go after, go after that, that aspect of God filling your life with his anointing and with his presence and chase the presence of God. Build an altar of worship in your home. Build an altar of worship in your workplace. Build an altar of worship in your personal walk with God and chase after the presence of God as you get positioned to cross over. You know, it's a lot easier to cross over into the presence of God when you have a life of worship in your own realm. It was like I was just hungry after ministering all week at the conference. I was just hungry to come to church this morning because my cogs had already been oiled down at the conference this week. And when, you're only, when your only worship experience is once a week on a Sunday morning, it will be hard for you to enter those crossover moments in your life. So Joshua says, the Lord says through Joshua, sit out from your place and go after the presence of God. Don't try and follow God in your own strength. When His presence surrounds you, daily you can be renewed from the inside out, as Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You feeling tired or weary? Your circumstances wearing you down? Wait upon the Lord in His presence. Your strength will be renewed like the eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint because he's right on you and his presence is around you. Secondly, the command was sanctify yourselves for tomorrow we are going to possess the land. We're going to cross over. The word sanctify is a, sounds like a flash church word. It simply means this. Set yourself apart. Dedicate. Consecrate yourself. Get yourself spiritually ready for what I'm about to do. They didn't know what they were going to face. We know from history that they had to face the city of Jericho when they crossed over. We know, we know from the reports of those that went into the promised land, there were giants in the land. We know all of that. So you can imagine old Sleepy Joe getting up in the morning, you know, and he hasn't, doesn't know where his, where's my sword, where's my sword. I, I can't even find my helmet. Where's my helmet? And they're about to cross over into the promised land. Where's your sword of the Lord? Have you strapped it tightly to your heart, the word of God? We've got a one-year Bible reading program up the back there that we would love you to participate in to get the Word into you. You know, it's, it's a real challenge reading the Bible through in a year. It's a real challenge. It's not an easy task. But I want to tell you the amount of benefit and growth that will happen in your life from being saturated in the Word of God will turn your spiritual life around in the name of Jesus. He says, prepare, consecrate, it has that aspect of purify your life. Only a few chapters on for this. They crossed over. They were up against the, uh, the king of Ai, or king of Ai, king of Ai, however you pronounce it. And they went out to battle and they got licked. And they got, but they should have been an easy win for them. And they found themselves on the back foot and Joshua smelled a rat. And he said, something's wrong here. 
And the Lord spoke to him and said that there is a traitor in the camp who stole and consecrated things that I told that he shouldn't touch. His name was Achan. And he'd stolen the treasure from the enemies and he'd put it under his tent floor and he was specifically told not to do that. And as a result, the anointing came off the children of Israel. What should have been an easy win was a big loss for them. And so they had to track down tribe, down to family, down to individuals where the problem was and where the issue was. Now you take that into the New Testament arena and I'd simply say this, is that you can't take higher ground if the enemy has a claim over your life personally. The enemy is a legalist. That's why Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, give no handle for the enemy to hold on to in your life. This is what he was talking about. That's what sanctifying yourself means. It says, don't give the enemy a handle in your life to hold on to. Because once he gets a hold of that handle, he will create problems for you and for your family. I'll park it there. I won't go any higher, but... You know, to go up, often we have to give up stuff. To go up in God, there's stuff that we're involved. It may not necessarily be openly sinful stuff, but it's just time-wasting, for example. You could spend 12 hours on the PlayStation when you could have actually gone and seen somebody or you could have, you could have, you know, gotten into the Word or you could have spent time praying with your spouse or your partner and you're still there from morning to night, whatever it may be. It's not always, you know, getting into porn or, you know, stealing, you know, embezzling money from the boss. Sometimes it can be a simple thing that you're not where you're supposed to be. You're time wasting, you're wasting. You're not your own anymore. That's what the Bible says. You don't, you belong. You've been bought with a price by Jesus Christ. You don't pull the strings anymore. I know it's a bit cool what I'm preaching today, but this is what the Word teaches us. Let's get back to the Word. What does the Word say? To glorify God on your body because you have been bought with a price. What was the price? Jesus' blood was shed for you. He is now your leader. Many want the fulfillment of God's promises without being prepared to do it God's way. My ways are so much higher than your ways, the Lord says. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so far are my ways above yours. If you keep trying to do it your way, you're going to get the results of doing it your way. You know, some people say, well, we, we need to, you know, we need to be relevant. <laughs> you know, and sometimes re- relevant is spelt smoke machines, flashing lights, top tech. And I'm not necessarily coming down on all these things. God can use all those things. But when we're using those things to be relevant, we've actually forgotten the fact that God makes us relevant. You know, the day I led that, the first time I led to that man to the Lord, when I led someone to the Lord, that story I told you about earlier on, do you think I was very relevant? <laughs> to him, I was extre- extraordinarily relevant to his life. Because when you walk with God, you carry an authority and a power that trying to be trendy and being relevant is not necessarily going to cut it. 
Listen, sometimes the church tries to be so relevant by doing relevant, trendy things that we've actually forgotten the fact that right now, young people, more than anything else, they want authenticity. They don't want relevance. They actually want you to be real, and they want you to tell it as it is and to be real as it is. Can I hear an amen today? Lastly, this morning, the last point is together. God wants us to be together. They didn't cross the Jordan as individuals. They crossed the Jordan together as a company of God's people. Can I encourage you today to walk with others, to build relationships with other like-minded people who love Jesus Christ and connect together and begin to dream great dreams for God? You know, we don't have a policy in this church that says, oh, can we do that in this church? If the word says do it, go and lay hands on the sick. Go and pray for people. Go and evangelize. Go and minister in your community. Get involved. Get a group of like-minded people together. See what God can do through you. Twelve had the reputation of turning the world upside down for Jesus. Twelve people turned the world upside down for Jesus. Wow. Look at what happened when they put their foot in the Jordan and they walked together in Joshua 3 verse 15. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. Listen to this, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam. The city that is beside Zeretan, so the waters that went down into the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Listen, friends. When the church of Jesus Christ walks together as one united under the head of the church, Jesus himself, when we're walking in harmony and partnership and unity and one accord, you're getting the picture, in harmony and one accord with one another. This is what can happen. The waters will reverse back to Adam. We can see God moving in such a way that the curse of Adam and the sinful nature can be reversed through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, where the church is beginning to walk in power, signs, wonders, and miracles, breaking the curse of Adam in the original state because we have a second Adam. His name is Jesus. And when we begin to pursue the second Adam, waters are reversed, curses are reversed, curses are broken, behavior, sinful behavior is broken as the waters are backed up to Adam and they're able to cross over into the the promised land by the power of God. So, what river Jordan is the Holy Spirit urging you to cross over today? Because the start of a new year is a great opportunity for you to start synchronizing your life and getting a fresh download from the Holy Spirit 
about what he's asking you to do this year. And I can guarantee every single person in this building that's watching on the internet, every single one of you will have a God-sized challenge today, a river Jordan that God is asking you to cross over that looks impossible when it's in flood. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but as you take that first step of faith and put your foot in the water, as you take that first step of obedience to Christ and seeing what God will begin to do, reversing the effects of Adam over your life, and you will find that there is new ground, promised land that is about to come your way over 2021. Can we stand together, please?